Welcome with me, Julie and Travis. Give it up for them real good. Hey, so excited about these guys and their opportunity to share. We're going to give them, uh, they got about 20 minutes here with us to just share really a lifetime. And um, so I just want to encourage you to get to know them after today. You know, uh, any way that you may connect with them or relate to them, just start building a relationship because, you know, all that God has done in their life, you know, it's impossible to pack into about a 20 minute piece. Uh, but there is so much great wisdom and years and, and blessing on their life and in their family they have credible boys uh, serving in New York right now, uh, giving their summer to ministry. And um, just so beautiful and rare uh, of this generation to be like that. And when you hear their story, you'll see why that means even more um, with what they're doing. So I won't waste any, any more time, but uh, we just love you guys. We're excited to hear from you. And so just please open your hearts. Uh, Greet them, get the hard part out of the way. The first words are the hardest, so say hello. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Travis, my wife, Julie. We've only been coming here for about six months. Uh, so a lot of you guys probably don't know us, but some of you guys do know us. And some of you guys know us from before, uh, like the testimony that we're going to be giving. Uh, some of the things that have happened have, have affected even people in this room. Uh, so it's kind of it's one of those things where, you know, it's cool to go back and remember where you're from. But... Uh, I just wanted to share something real quick before we get started. Okay, bear with me here a minute. Uh, so, I was looking, when I saw in the Bible here, it says in Jeremiah 18, this is what he says, he said, 1 through 6, he says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I shall announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hands of the potter. So we remade it into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. Uh, and so what I want you to understand here is that we're, we're all vessels. And Julie and I are still vessels. We're, we're still being worked on. But what happened in our testimony early is, is, is my vessel spoiled a lot of stuff, right? And so the, what I want you to understand through this whole testimony is that God picked up those pieces that fell and that were spoiled. And it says he made another vessel as it pleased him and as it suited him. And the word is pleased as it pleased him. So I'm going to give, I'm going to start, let Julie start a little bit. She's going to give you some of her history and uh, we'll kind of go from there because it's, it's, it's a wild ride. So put your seatbelt on. Well, I was um, saved at the age of nine. I had the desire to... Um, served Jesus from a young age. I uh, didn't ever want to disappoint my parents, you know, just loved church, um, you know, was an all-around good kid. As I got to high school, um, my parents were strict. I was the first of four and a daughter, and um, I felt as I got older, my Dad just, like, I would never live up to his expectation because anyone that I ever dated, whether they were a Christian or not, was never good enough. So um, I was attending Moody Bible Institute, and um, that was something my parents wanted me to do. I did want to, you know, further my education, too, and learn um, more. But I decided um, to go there. But I was, I was pretty bitter at my parents. I was, had broken up with a good guy, and... I was like, man, you know, so the devil was slowly, I was starting to do my own thing. And Travis and I knew each other um, growing up. 
Um, his parents were good friends of our family. Our brothers were really good friends when on mission trips, and he was always the really bad boy. <laughs> um, he can give you some examples of what he did. Yeah, so, so Julie and I knew each other, right? So she's at, she's at Moody Bible Institute. But going back a little bit before then, you know, I was a wild country boy redneck, right? I, I mean, I grew up, but I got in the, the river in the morning. I swam out to Lake Michigan through Pigeon Lake, jumped off the pier a couple times, caught a couple turtles and ducks, and made it home by dinner, right? I mean, I, there was, I was totally wild, and I felt like I was, I was, I felt like I, I felt kind of claustrophobic at church. We went to a real, real legalistic church, and I felt like, you know, I felt judged, you know, and then the kids, the other kids would come in and they'd say, hey, we're not allowed to hang out with you because our dad said you're rebellious, you know? I'm like, all right, cool. You want to see rebellious? Watch this, right? So that started a whole chain of events. I can't blame it on them because I made my own decisions, right? <clears throat> but when I was 15, I'd had enough. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done here. You know, me and, my, me and my parents would fight. God, I've got godly parents, godly, godly parents. And they prayed for me. They're the reason I'm here today probably still. Uh, but uh, when I think back, you know, I'd had enough. And I was like, you know what, this is, this is it. So I stole a car, right? I mean, how many people at 50 steal a car? Was okay, it a good so, car? What kind yeah. of car? It was a, it was a station wagon. It was not a good car. I, hey, I had to look inconspicuous, right? I'm driving to Florida. I'm 15. I passed a police officer on the way. I'm like, oh, here goes nothing. Right? So, you know, stolen car, went to Florida, decided it wasn't what I wanted, so I came back. Wow. Um, take well, so I come back. No, let me go for just a minute here. I come, I come back from that, and I'm like, you know what? This is crazy. So my parents, you know, they had the strict, the Baptist pastor said, you got to go to this boy's home. So I go down to the boy's home. I'm like, no, this ain't it either. You know, I'm beating all the kids up. I'm like, this is crazy. So... I ran away from the boys' home. I came home. I got, I got involved with a bad group of, of people. I, I, I dropped out of high school. Decided, they said, you go to boot camp, you can get your GED, or you can get your diploma. So I'm like, all right, get out of boot camp. Got caught up in a bunch of criminal activity that surrounded me, and I ended up going to prison. I'm 17 years old. So I'm doing two years in prison, which was, I mean, when I look back, God had his hand on it then because I was supposed to do three life sentences. So I got sentenced to two to ten, and I did two years. That's in 93. In 95, I'm about to get out, and she's in Moody Bible Institute, right? So use your imagination. So I'm going to let her take over again from there because she's going to Moody Bible Institute, and I'm in Jackson State Penitentiary. So I come home for Christmas break. And um, his mom and my mom, like I said, we're friends. And his mom called my mom, you know, and was giving her updates, you know, about how Trav was. And we always, I think he, it was mutual. We always had a thing for each other, you know. It was always like, oh, I would love to be with him. I don't really know why, but there's something about him. He had a great personality. He was crazy. He was, everybody loved him, you know. So I had this, um, you know, I had a crush on him. Well, when I started to, well, his mom called and um, asked my mom if I would write him. She said he needs Christian encouragement. The beginning of the end. Yes. <laughs> so I started writing him, you know, and it was innocent. You know, I thought, it'll be fine, you know. So we wrote. And so that was on Christmas break in December. And we were married by the following November. So it was not good because 
you know, I was so bitter at my parents, and I really just didn't care what they said at that point. But my feeling was, I'm going to save him. I can save him. I know the right way. We're going to have a great marriage. You know, I'm going to be faithful, take care of him. Blah, blah, blah. Why would you ever want to do drugs? So that was my thinking. And so um, the first five years were okay. We were not involved in church. You know, we were good people. You know, we attended church sometimes. I knew how I should be living, but wasn't. Um, we both owned our own businesses, and um, five years after we were married, I got pregnant. And that's when he started to use again. And it was hidden at first, you know, I wasn't sure. And first I think it was a lot of partying, uh, fun, you know, drug use. He, he would work at times, but um, it got so bad that he was just in full-blown addiction you know, couldn't even, because he was dealing drugs, um, just You were still pregnant even. at this time, or had a little one? Or? Yes, I had a little one. Two years later, had another one. You know, a few times through all these 12 years, I filed for divorce, um, because I thought I, you know, I loved him, and I knew he came from a really good home, and I said, I, I thought, he's going to come around. It's funny, because Liana who's here, we used to work at the bank together, and we, she would come, and she was a huge support to me going through all this hard stuff. Um, but I really believed God would bring him around, you know? And I, every time I would leave, I would get pregnant again. And then we'd be like, okay, we can do it again. You know, and he wanted to straighten his life out. You want to? Yeah, so, I mean, this this process of uh, of the downward spiral was it was it was over a, it was a, over a long period of time, but it was it was a real slow fade, you know, like as as everybody understands. But it started out, you know, I wanted to I wanted to sell drugs, right? Because everybody wants to be the drug dealer. And I look back at my ki my kindergarten pictures that I drew in my kindergarten class, and I wanted to be a cowboy. I don't remember that, but <laughs> so I wanted to be a cowboy. But that fit what I was when I was growing up, so that was cool. But Nobody ever grows up saying, I want to be a drug dealer, right? right. Nobody. Well, that's what I wanted to do. And, and that's what I did. I mean, essentially, I was a huge drug dealer. I wanted to be the biggest drug dealer. And I mean, I was dealing huge amounts of drugs. And I mean, the cops knew who I was. I was being chased. Um, I, I mean, I had, they were trying their hardest to bust me. I, I can't believe I didn't get busted. Uh, but over this whole time, then you start selling them, you start using them, right? But, I mean, keep in mind, I'm still the country boy driving a big jacked-up monster truck, pull up to the rave party and pull my records out to go DJ with a 13-point buck in the back of my truck. People are coming out, they're like, ooh, hey. But this, this, this whole time, this whole time, I was, I was getting deeper and deeper into being addicted to the drugs, right? And so it was a downward spiral, and I got so far that... Uh, we, we've got four boys. I thought, we'll move away. We went to Ludington. We moved to Ludington. I had a, an awesome job. I mean, I was making lots of money. Uh, and uh, Julie and I couldn't even carry on a conversation without it being screaming and yelling. And it had been that way for a while. I mean, we couldn't talk. There was no communication. If it was, it was screaming and yelling. And there's people in here who understand exactly what I'm talking about. Because everybody experiences a certain point of that. But... Uh, at this point, uh, she, she, we just, it was going south, and she says, listen, I'm filing for divorce. And I'm like, you know, at this point, I don't care. I don't care. I had seen another girl. And that was hard for me because it was the first time he actually agreed and said yes. And I was like, wow. But I had I seen another girl, right? So I was like, cool, if you leave, I got a backup plan. Right. So 
Julie leaves. Uh, I'm living in Ludington by myself, seeing this other girl, right? I got a girlfriend. I get the kids every other weekend. And uh, we start, she started going to a church down here. Where does that sound? She was going to a church here. And I started driving down there for their potluck. She got me with food. That's I'm good. like, all right, cool. Potluck? Shoot, I know about a potluck. I'm showing up, right? So I drive from Ludington for this potluck. Well, the people were different, man. They were cool. I mean, like, I know they all knew what I was doing and what was going on, but they were still cool to me, right? Some of my best friends to this day. And, uh, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was so weird. I was like, I got to cut this out. I, we got to straighten this out, you know? And I had tried, remember, I, I had tried everything on my own to straighten my life out. And I had been spending now years and years and years hurting the people that I loved the most. The people that I loved the most, and I said, hey, don't worry about it. This is only me that I'm hurting. I, was, I, I couldn't stop hurting. Well, Julie and I are getting back together, and I'm cutting it off with this girl, and I'm like, cool, this is what's going to happen, right? Well, I get the call. Hey, I'm pregnant. From Every the other woman. Yeah, not from Julie. So everybody, those, those words are like a two-ton heavy thing. So what did I do? I went out and got as many drugs as I could buy. Well, Julie was supposed to come pick me up because I had tickets to Ozfest. We were going to go to Ozfest the next day. So this is, this is August 10th. Was that a church event? Or? <laughs> yeah, we were, we were actually taking a mission trip down there. <sighs> so, so I had tickets to go to the Ozfest, and I was like, man, we can't miss. This is going to be the last one, right? You know, Ozzy's getting old, you know? So, uh, but anyways... Once again, I'm a no-show. Julie drives from Holland to come get me, and I'm a no-show. She sits at my house, walks in, sees the paraphernalia, knows what's going on, knows I am hiding. She's not going to find me. So and We were a month away from the divorce being final. Yes. But I was really hoping. Yeah. I was ready to cut it off, but I was also, I don't want to do this to my kids. Yeah. So, anyways, she, I called her up and I said, Julie... I had, I, had a, I had a room full of guns, right, because I was a gun collector. And I just bought this brand new gun, and I was like, you know what, I can't stop hurting the people I love the most, right? So what is the easiest thing for me to do? To take myself out of the equation. I won't hurt them anymore. These are the people I love the most, and they love me, but I keep on hurting them. I can't stop hurting them, right? So we're, we, we, I called Julie, and I said, Julie... I need you to come pick me up. And I decided at that point, in my head, before anything, I was going to shoot myself if she wouldn't come pick me up. So I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but that's what it was at. That's where it was. That's where I was at. This is the total bottom, the last weight on my back that I could not carry, and I fell down. And this is what was going to happen. This was it. I made up my mind. I had the shell. It was, it was a brand new gun. I was going to do the deal. I called Julius. I need you to come pick me up. She said, I'm not coming. I already know what you were doing. I know what you did. I said, Julia, I need you to come now. If you don't come, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, right? So I sat there, and I knew she was 90 miles away from me. And so I knew in an hour and a half she better be getting there, you know, because I was scared, but I knew this was what I was going to do, right? An hour and a half later, I called her up. I said, where are you at? She says, I'm getting off the exit. This was after multiple times of him calling, and I was so angry. At this point, I didn't even know about the child. But I was just so angry, you know, and I was like, you just need to do what you got to do. Like, I, ugh, this is not cool. So she, she shows up, picks me up, and I get in the car, you know. I mean, remember, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm, I'm at the end. I mean, 
I'm packing up my guns, putting them in the car. I'm taking everything I can get, and I'm getting out. I want out of here. I don't ever want to come to this place again. I got to figure something out. I'm at the end. And uh, so we start driving. We're, we're driving home, and I, this night, this is August 10, 2007. This night is crystal clear in my head, but it was not a crystal clear night. It was raining so hard that when we got to Pentwater, we couldn't even drive. Everybody's pulled over on the side of the road. Julie's yelling at me. We've got three kids sleeping in the back in Little Trav that you guys all know Little Trav is sitting in between us. And, and Julie's screaming at me, and I said, Julie, you used to have a relationship with Christ. I said, I need you to tell me about that because I can't do this anymore. And before she could say anything, Little Trav says to me, he says, Dad, all you've got to do is ask God to come into your heart and he'll help you. Oh, wow, you know, I spent my life in church, now I can't even come up with that, you know, I mean, what the heck, I felt so stupid, right? So, in front of Julie and Trav, I just said, God, I need you to help me right now, because I can't do this on my own, I'm ready to do whatever you need me to do, right? I got out of the car, and I, I remember walking down the highway, and everything just started rushing back through my head. All these people that I had, like the Pied Piper, led astray, right? All this guilt I'd been carrying around, all this heavy load, it's now gone, right? And so through this, I know we don't got much time, so I'm just going to try and quick wrap it up and let Julie do a couple things. We, we, I decided it was time for me to go to Bible college because I just wanted to know at this time I've got a craving, right? I'm still messed up. I'm still messed up. But you want to know what? I had a story. So I would go. I had a guy that kept on pushing me. Let's go to the jail. Give your testimony at the jail. Give your testimony at the jail. Give your testimony at the jail. I'm like, dude, I don't like jails, man. I hate them. I did two years in one. I'm not going there, right? Well, guess what? Finally, I gave in. I said, dude, I'm going to come. I'm going to come to the jail. So I went to the jail. I mean, dude, I thought up every excuse I could come up with on the ride down there. I'm like, man, I'm sick. I got to help my mom wash her hair. I don't know. You know, what can I come up with? I don't want to go, right? I mean, I'm about ready to call this dude. So I started calling people. I started saying, hey, pray for me. I'm going to the jail. Pray for me. I'm going to the jail. I'd go to the jail to give my testimony. And there's, there's 250 people in front of you, and the rest is closed circuit TV through the whole thing. And this is just why it's important for us to use our testimonies. And I'm going right. to share one more thing. You're cool you got so anyways, uh, I, go to the, I go to the jail, and I give my testimony. Now, this is back in, this is like 2002. 10 or something like that, 2008, right? I'm, I've only been safe for a couple of years. I mean, I'm still, I'm still trying to kick the whole drug thing. I mean, it's not often, but every once in a while, it's, it was just wild, right? So, I mean, sanctification as a process takes some time. <coughs> so I do this. I, I, I'd go every time. People were praying over me while I'm giving my testimony. And just so you guys understand how much impact your testimony has, Sam, Scott, how much impact. I, I'm over here and I'm talking. I'm clo on closed circuit TV. I have no clue, right? Who's all seeing me? Well, just about six months ago, I got, I got a Facebook message from somebody I've never met, right? And here's what it says. It says, it said, it's a request, right? A message request. I never had a request for a message the first time in my life, so I found about 27 other ones that I had requests for when I did this. So I didn't, I'm not a tech person, you know? I'm a country boy. So anyways, it says, it says this is what it said. It said, it said, hello, Travis. My name is Jennifer. You don't know me, but I know you. Let me take you back. I'm going to say 15 years or so ago, you came to Ottawa County Jail to talk. I was housed in the women's side, and I remember watching you on the TV and listening to you. I don't remember exactly what you said, but I remember it was stuff that made me think. 
I thought for days and how I needed to change my life. I have never forgot you or that day as I was scrolling through Facebook, randomly came across your profile. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come to the jail that day. It changed my life. And so that's how through this whole story, God, like in Romans 8, 28, says all things work together for good. A nasty story that I was ashamed of, and I'm ashamed of. It was hard. Julie signed me up for this. I would have never came up here, right? I was like, shoot, man, those people all looking at us with the lights in our face. There's no way, right? But listen, through this whole thing, everybody here knows what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, right? It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? After that, the next verse goes on to say, for we are his masterpiece, that potter in the beginning that was making that piece, he made another piece as he saw fit and as pleased him. Okay? So we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. So through that whole thing, now Julie and I know what our identity is. And our identity is in Christ. We're his kids. And God always takes care of his kids. But we're not just his kids. We're his masterpiece. So, I mean, we went on, we went on to both move to New York. We both went to... Uh, Word Life Bible Institute, and that's where our kids are serving now. So for us to see our kids doing that, they've seen if, if, if what happened to us saves our kids from that same thing. You know, that's, I mean, that's huge for us, raising six boys. It's, it's rough. So, I mean, that's why that has a whole different special meaning for us. It's good. A little bit of time, just want to echo to you what he was saying. Like, you never know what you say and the impact 15 years later is going to have. I want to echo that. You know, we felt pressure in this series when we talked about, well, we have so many people willing to share, which is an incredible testimony, but we felt pressure taking away the music part. Then we felt pressure, well, the pastor's not going to give a sermon for a month, but this is what it's about. You have no idea, amen, how people are going to hear something and remember it 15 years later and relate to it. So I appreciate all of you being great and gracious and receiving and, um, and so, Julie, we, we have, you know, six minutes or more. Um, you find out, you know, it's getting your month out and the divorce. I want to know the process of, of your prayers. And, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to quit them, but you're still believing for them. And, and just that whole process of a relationship like this. And anything else on your heart? Well, growing up, my dad was not saved until I was 13. So I watched my mom stay faithful to him. As he would, you know, he went out drinking every Friday night after work, Saturday, you know. So I watched her struggle, but she was faithful, and she stood by him. And I knew God's grace totally was there for me because I look back and I see other people in the situations, you know, and I think, man, how did I make it through that? But God's grace was totally there, and he just... He's this awesome, wonderful, heavenly father, you know, even though I wasn't living exactly the way I should have been either, you know, I was just trying to survive and stay in, you know, a live mode with all these boys. Um, but it's funny because I didn't find out about Camden as my stepson. Um, I didn't find out about him until after Travis got saved. Two weeks later, he told me. And I was like, what? Oh, he said, I have something to tell you. And I said, hmm can't be any worse than anything you've ever told me before. And then I went, oh, there's one more thing. <laughs> so he told me, and I was like, I just hate you. That is just, that's like the icing on the cake. Because everything through my head, I thought, great, 
Now what's everybody going to think? Now what about my kids? Now what about my parents? Now, you know, but then I was like, I talked to my pastor's wife and I said, you know, where do I go with this? What do I do? And she said, you cannot hold one thing against him that he did before he was a new creature in Christ. She said, and if you want to leave him, then you better expect that woman to raise your kids. And I was like, wow. And that made sense to me, you know, and I knew it would be a hard process. Um, but having that little boy, he is eight now, and our boys have seen, you know, this is what happens when you make choices and you're not living for Jesus, you know. And they have great compassion for him, and they love him, and they understand our testimony. We're very open with them. So I just want to encourage everybody who's here it doesn't matter what kind of a horrible, nasty mess you're in because God is in the business of changing lives. Yeah. I mean, this man right here was so addicted to drugs and so beyond help, I honestly thought there's no way. I don't know physically how he's even going to be able to pull himself out of this, but God is so faithful, and little by little, he changes you, and he's there for the whole process, you know, and, and there are... It, it is hard. There's consequences for sin, you know, having a stepson. There's, you know, tons of back child support. There's tons, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But we've worked through all that. We're in his life for a reason. Yeah. Um, and I, I do, I just want to say I am so proud of him because it's like I've made mistakes in my life too, and that's a hard spot where in, when you're at the bottom yeah. and you have to admit, yes, I have totally messed this up so bad, you know, but surrendering his life to Christ and just letting God do all the change and, you know, starting over every day, praising God for what he does in our life. Yep. And, so good. you know, it's good stuff. What would you say to a wife or even a mom who maybe has a wayward child where it just looks like this is never going to change? What would your advice be? How would you pray? How would you tell them to how, speak and pray and speak to that for a minute? I would just say be faithful, be faithful, be faithful, and love, 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 because... You know, these two teenage boys that we have, it's hard, you know. I mean, and they're good kids, but it's like, oh, you know. But I think just praying for them daily, you know, investing in them, showing them the right way, you know. There's guys in this church who have invested in our boys, and they love them. And I'm like, that is just amazing. That is what this church is about, people loving others, everybody helping everybody um, raise their families and, you know, it's, it's all a family. We're all here to help each other. Yeah, so. Amen. Closing thought, Trav. I just, I mean, just, just, just to get, you know, I mean, I thought I was at the point. I thought, I heard so many people as I was growing up in the church say, hey, I thought I was at the point where God couldn't change me or God, I was too far gone. That's where I was at. I thought I was too far gone to the point where I thought that suicide was the only answer. And unfortunately, that is a tool that the devil uses uh, nowadays. And if, I mean, my opinion is that that's his end goal for everything. Sin, sin, sin gets you started, but if he, can, if he can get somebody to commit suicide, his job is done. And so, uh, I mean, it's, if, if, I look, if I look back at my life, man, it is just wild to me to see how God, how God had his hand on, on everything, the sovereignty. But uh, I, I got a wife here that everybody here now understands that I don't deserve. 
I don't deserve her. And she stuck through me, with me through more than anyone has ever stuck with me through. So you're looking at my wife, but you're looking at my best friend. If I go into a battle, she's coming with me. And so, and that's, and that's, out, of, that's out of a pile of garbage where we couldn't even talk to each other. I mean, I'm talking one word. was not going to happen without a fight. So God is, God is the great physician, and he heals every day. He's a creator. I've got six boys. None of them evolved, right? He's a creator. He still creates, and he's creating new things all the time, just like the potter out of broken things. So, I just want to quick say, though, yeah. don't. I think in marriage it's so easy to just run. Lots of people do run. Oh, it's hard. I don't want to face this. And I'm just saying don't do it. Because we have such a strong bond now after 20 years. Because we both know God's in the center of it. We're going to make it. It's okay. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It only matters what God thinks. Hey, would one of you two or both of you pray us out of here? Just pray over us. Pray over marriages. Pray over. And, um, and then we'll dismiss. But if you know of somebody or maybe it's you that can relate, let's just receive that maybe for you today. This is your drive home in the car pulled over on the side of the road. Um, breakthrough. Amen? Go ahead. All right, let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you uh, right now for this family. It's, it's just wild. We know that you do things for a reason. We know that every person that's here today is here because you want them here. And I, I just want to thank you for this family. It's a huge blessing uh, for everybody to be able to operate as a family here. And these people that you've brought into our lives, uh, it's, just, it's just wild. We, we can't wrap our heads around it. So I just want to thank you for everything that you do and the miraculous way that you uh, take care of us and uh, that your word would go out here. We know it won't return void. And uh, if there's somebody here today, Lord, that you know needs to know you closer and more personal, that you would uh, work on them and that they would come and talk to one of us or someone after the service today. And so we praise you, we thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.